Welcome to Behind the Standards with United Rentals. This is the podcast where we talk about safety, typically trench excavation and confined space safety, but also other topics that deal with general job site safety as well. I am Rick Plusinski, Customer Training Specialist with United Rentals Trench Safety, and with me is Joe Wise, Region Training Manager, and a special guest, Nate Healy of Michael's Pipeline. Nate, can you give us a little bit about yourself and what you do with Michael's Pipeline? Yes, Nate Healy with Michael's Pipeline. I've been with the company for almost 12 years now. Um, I actually started as an intern and kind of have, have made a career out of this. And, and what I do with this is I support the crews in the field through the safety resources that they're looking for. So we provide a lot of internal training. We obviously plan our work to make sure that we have what the crews need to work safely and provide that environment so everybody can go home at the end of each day. My day-to-day is managing my team. We, we support crews across the entire country. And in doing that requires a lot of scheduling, requires a lot of training, a lot of logistics. And so a good portion of each of my days is just spent making sure the folks that are doing the work have the resources they need to do that safely. Thank you, Nate. Now, our goal is to give you the tools to help you keep yourself and your coworkers safe on construction sites through discussions of various safety topics. For this episode, we decided to have two safety leaders get together to discuss the challenges and rewards of establishing and maintaining a safety culture within their respective organizations. And Nate, we're going to start with you. Now, as the head architect of safety with Michael's Pipeline, have you had any challenges creating a safety culture within the company? Well, of course. I mean, I I don't want to say yes to make you believe that we have a a poor culture, but culture doesn't just happen. And And it's ongoing. You don't get to turn it off work on it a little bit, put your training, put your things in place, and then turn culture back on. Culture is always happening, and it's essentially how you do things. And and it's how the folks that work for you do things. And so establishing that culture requires just relentless effort, whether it's through training, communication, getting the resources in place, having the right trench box on site, having the right PPE on site, having the right amount of people to do the job. You know, that all goes into your culture. The more you make it about the people and, and how they behave or how they act or, or how they go about their work, I don't want to say the easier it is because there's nothing easy about maintaining a strong culture, but the more efficiently you can help promote that positive culture. So it is a struggle, but it's a struggle because it's it's such an important topic to Michael's that we put a ton of effort into making sure that we maintain that strong, strong core safety culture. Yeah, Nate, so, you know, you bring up a lot of great points and, you know, looking at it from my perspective, it's always trying to make sure from a a deliverable to the customer's needs. And and you guys, I know, certainly have a training program embedded within your own company of what you do internally. And on those occasions where we can perhaps or others support that external need when, when there's just maybe too many things going on in that capacity for continuous training is needed. You know, and, and you look at that that challenge, really, you know, when you talk about competent person training, the law's not changed so much, but the reality of the solution sometimes really requires that this training be ongoing. It's it's not a, a one and done arrival of a competent person class. And obviously there's more than that you focus on besides confined space and excavation safety. But, you know, I guess, Talk a little bit about that, because that that almost has to be a kind of a continued renewal with regard to, you know, the subject and diving into greater details, depending on the application of the job. Yeah, that's a great point. And 
and it is important. So as a contractor that it's it's our of our size, we work in many different environments. So we have urban crews, so to speak, that work in the metropolitan areas. We have very rural crews that, you know, they work in the middle of a cornfield. There's really nothing to hit and there's no one to see them and they don't see anyone else. And then you have everything in between. But what find ourselves in, in kind of a, a stronger skill set that we have is that we're very versatile. So every year the market brings a new need. But we also apply those that work for us differently. So you may have worked downtown Minneapolis last year. This year, you're working in the cornfields of Iowa. And next year, you're going to be in the mountains of Pennsylvania. And so in doing that, granted, you're a competent person in excavation and confined space and and all things important. But your background and knowledge may not be suited for what you're headed into. And that's where that additional training really comes in. Um, we try to catch everybody during an annual training. Uh, we also put everybody through a, a new hire or a site-specific training, as we call it, as they enter a new project. Uh, and the important thing is just making sure they're aware of where they're working now. And so we pick up plenty of experienced individuals out of the union hall and from other contractors and, and other owner companies that come with decades of experience in the industry but when you're applying them to what we need for today, that might not quite line up. And so that's where that additional communication and training comes in place. It's ongoing. We've found great success working with uh, United Rentals in our annual training. You know, so like Joe, like you said, we provide our own excavation training, our own competent person training. We don't rely on United Rentals to give that training, but we do rely on them to be a part of the training because you can show us exactly what you have to offer for solutions. And we've found really good synergy there in the last two to three years with, we train our foremen and what they should be doing, but then having United Rentals in the room saying, here's essentially our catalog. Here's what we have to fix these most complex situations that we've been talking about all day. It really aligns the stars and that kind of brings that competency home. And it makes them feel prepared and we are prepared and it, it makes the next couple of weeks or the next job, well, far safer, but but definitely smoother as well, which is the goal. Now, that's an excellent point. And that's that's really when it comes to even looking at the fact that 1926 subpart P, that standard's not changed at all regarding too much of what's been written in the 12 general requirements. But, you know, that that reality that, you know, there have been systems that have evolved. There's there's sometimes obviously more productive ways of how to skin that cat and keep more importantly these workers doing these types of projects in underground, for example, safe. And and so I think when you really start to look at the different options, and I know steel boxes are always going to be the name of the game. It's the most productive tool out there. They really need to understand tabulated data and what the limitations of those systems are or aren't and where we can sometimes obviously work a little bit perhaps if we need to in certain situations beyond them, but making sure that we take the right steps, like maybe it's sometimes getting a manufacturer involved, perhaps doing something site specific. But again, it's it's that continuous education, even with those that are perhaps more experienced employees, of getting them a little bit more aware of perhaps some processes of equipment that can make jobs more efficient and certainly safer. Yeah, and just to add to that, it's not only so much the equipment that's available, but it's how to properly use the equipment. You can destroy a trench box pretty quickly 
And in doing so, it's no longer a, a viable tool for you. But I mean, you can try to make it fit in a rock hole or a, or a gravelly conditions, and it ends up just a mangled mess of steel or aluminum. And that doesn't help anyone. So in, in training on the correct installation and, and the kind of the expected pointer or use of the tool is also uh, an important part of our, our training programs. And it's, it's ongoing for the reasons you just said, is there's new tools, there's new advancements in, our, in the tools we have, and we have to keep that education flowing. Otherwise, there's no benefit to those new tools and, and upgrades. So I, when you look at the communication to employees and, and you know, com- coming off of last year, which has really been a, a challenge for all of us, safety professionals like yourself and even us as someone that tries to provide training in, in, in a responsible way. I guess for us, obviously, I, I know we had to do, adapt to some things to make perhaps a little bit less in person and, and try to do things differently. Um, Maybe explain a little bit about how you guys overcame that challenge in your markets. As you mentioned earlier, you've got crews all across the country working in various types of job settings. Um, What was the key to getting that success for you as you kind of, again, we start to certainly see things open back up, but where you maintain that communication and, and training as it needed to happen over time? We're definitely an industry built on face-to-face relationships and, and handshakes and and knowing someone because you look them in the eye. And so the last 12 to 14 months have been challenging to say the least. Um, we we want to keep that strong culture and we simply had to find a different way to go about that and still connect with those employees that they're still working face-to-face, so to speak, right? Obviously they're distanced and they're wearing face coverings and and we're taking all the right measures to protect ourselves, but they cannot you know, remotely put pipe in the ground. You have to actually be there to put pipe in the ground and respond to emergency calls and and things of that nature. So it was a challenge. Um, We still wanted to have our annual training. We train thousands of people every year through our annual training. We did not want to lose sight of that. That's kind of a a staple and it's definitely a kickoff for our season to come. Um, And so instead of just kind of calling it or sending out videos that we didn't think would have quite the impact that we're hoping for. We did kind of the opposite. And instead of having a, a training with, with 50 individuals in it, we had five trainings with 10 individuals in it that we could get adequately spaced out, all the protocols in place. We supplemented it a lot with some videos, but we wanted to make sure we had at least one instructor there in person with the group to help facilitate it for one, but two, there's still a real element to that, and that is our culture. And so as we kind of open this up, talking about culture, that is the culture. You have someone there to support you and talk to you in person. And so uh, we worked through that. Being that we are a nationwide contractor, that didn't work everywhere. There was just some states or some municipalities where that did not work. And so we either had to go all virtual or we, you know, we waited for the work to slow down in that area. And we planned our annual training as like more of a kickoff for when those crews would go back to work in a different area or once restrictions had lessened a little bit. So we definitely wanted to follow the CDC guidance, the state guidance, local guidance, any customers we were working for. We always maintained that compliance and we just had to be creative. It was not easy, but I think we did a pretty good job. I think the industry as a whole did a pretty good job uh, of kind of getting our way through the pandemic. Um, I know we're not done yet, but 
it definitely is kind of a relief as to where we are now compared to where we were just a year ago. We haven't uh, went back a hundred percent to the to the old ways, so to speak. Um, but we're we're looking forward to getting back there. And, and I think what we have done is still maintain some of that relationship face to face, even though you know we were forced to lose a lot of that for a temporary period of time there. Well, you mentioned that word virtual, and you know who would have thought that that would be a posture we'd be trying to look how to get through and navigate to help try to get again continue the communication. And, you know, I think at least from our perspective, we certainly tried to be the support we needed to during that time. And, and you know, in person is starting to come back to your point. We're not out of this thing yet. But in, in coming through with some things that from a virtual perspective, at least can be a benefit when you consider the potential for maybe only a few employees that may need to get through a particular course. You mentioned, you know, that focus of the annual kickoff versus maybe you know, hires that you're bringing on throughout different times of the year, maybe beginning at a project to meet a deadline or maybe a changed order for a project that requires bringing in folks that need to have certifications reevaluated or taking classes to get caught up with those requirements. The virtual thing is is not better than in-person training. Like you said, shaking the hands, seeing the equipment, putting your hands on it. Totally agree. That's the best learning environment. But, you know, we've we've had some folks through that experience, you know, at least mention that, you know, perhaps they were a little pleased with how well it at least met their need. And so I think going forward, a little bit of a combination in that challenge of meeting deadlines might at least give uh, contractors like yourself another possibility when those circumstances of, let's say, an experienced person needing just to be you know, going through those requirements again and kind of refreshing that cadence of the curriculum and what to look for as a competent person. I think I think that's uh, definitely something that we learned, but your perspective on that, I mean, do you feel like that's helped you to, you know, be more versatile when those challenging deadlines may come upon your your projects? Yes, of course. Um, actually, that, that that's a, a very good point is though we may go back to how it used to be, I don't think we'll ever lose all the tools that we've created out of necessity. We've put together short films, short movies, training videos. I know there's just more things even just available online and our employees and team members are more receptive to it because it was the only option for so long. And so, you know, I don't think we're going to use a virtual training for a competency evaluation by any means, but you can definitely get the movie sent or the, or the web link sent out get the basic awareness, get kind of the the elementary items, I don't want to say out of the way, but taken care of before you're in person. And then once you're in person, you kind of, you hit the the critical stuff, right? The the how we do things here, the why we do things here, and then more of the hands-on training that goes along with some of these tools and equipment. And I think there is a value to that. There's definitely a value as we get back to opening the country up for travel myself and others can't be everywhere always. So if you can send a few training videos on a web link a day or two ahead of you while you travel or get to where you're going, there's efficiencies that are built into that that I think we'll always keep. But to your point, it's it's there's still a major learning curve. You know, even today, we're 12 months into it and it, as much value as the virtual aspect has of it, 
both ends of the conversation have to have a pretty good understanding of the virtual world for that to work. And so there's some limitations there. If you're in a place with poor cell service or poor internet service, the virtual world does, it still does not exist, right? And we don't have control over that network. But overall, there's there's benefits to to stick with and to pursue further, I think. You talk about, you know, the culture of safety and what Michaels is doing as an organization. Just like everybody else, I know there's challenges of what we need to do to try to recruit and maintain the skilled workers that we have. And, you know, you think about the new hires, you think about the new generation, maybe the generational gap between those that have been doing it for years and bringing those along that are younger, maybe a little more savvy with those types of tools or methods of learning. I think it's helping us to prepare for that future workforce. And and maybe there's things like that that you all certainly look at as it comes into attracting that best-in-class talent to execute the work and quality that Michaels is about. It's definitely something to consider as we move forward, right? If you're if you're not up with the times and it's hard to keep pace and you find yourself far behind the competition in a hurry. And so there is those digital type things that we're, we're obviously pursuing. We found one other thing that was really important to our culture as well. And it's, you know, it's not so much along the training, but at the same point, it's exactly along with the training. And what I mean by that is we went to make safety personal and that can be done in a hundred different ways, but by making safety personal, We've really seen how that culture strengthened and and kind of tightened up even during like the toughest of times, which the last 12 months, I think, has thrown our way a few times. And in doing that, it's not just here's your training, please sign here, there's your shovel, good luck. It's really about how they learn what they need and then why it's important to them and and to us as an employer and, and as team leads to make it important to them. And so we rolled out a uh, stop work promise program, which is essentially a replacement of the stop work authority that you you hear everywhere. Stop work promise, we changed the word authority to to promise on purpose, is authority is a little scary at times. Not everybody wants it. Some don't know if they quite have it. But a promise is actually a personal commitment. You have to make a promise and you have to choose whether or not to keep a promise. And everyone has the exact same authority so to speak, when it comes to a personal promise. And so we found an incredible amount of success with that approach because that new hire can raise their hand and ask a question. And they only have to know that they're doing that to keep themselves safe. They're making a personal promise to come home safe at the end of the day. And so by that approach, rather than saying, if you feel uncomfortable, raise your hand and shut the whole job down, you know, very few people are going to do that. And so making it about keeping themselves safe and then expanding it to keeping the guy or girl next to you safe. And then, you know, keeping those that are on your crew safe. You know, there's a much easier and a much simpler kind of view of that from a personal safety aspect. And so going back to, you know, how do we use these different platforms and and how the times have changed? How do we cater to the next generation of workforce? That has been a really good platform for us to kind of get a level ground on and then go from there. Everybody wants to be safe. That has to be the most consistent and common aspect we all share is we all want to go home safe. You start there to figure out what's important to each person. You can figure out how they learn, what they're looking for to be successful, and then, you know, kind of go from there. And so I think a good example of that is a younger generation, they would like an app. They would like something on their phone. They don't mind checking in, doing a, you know, a health 
assessment on their phone as they walk in the front gate in the morning. So that's good. That's done. There's actually no training even required. You just send them the app, right? It's done. It's the other generation. They would rather you just put together 50 pieces of paper in a folder that they can put on the dash of their truck. And every morning they have no problem filling it out and bringing you that piece of paper. But it all started with, here's our goal. Speak up if you have questions and please, you know, promise to work safe. And that's kind of where it all started. And then we can kind of divert from there and or diverge from there, I should say, and find out what works for each individual. So it's a unique way of going about it. We've had incredible success with the Work Promise campaign. And Nate, that's just tremendous. I mean, when you think about that perspective, you know, we're so used to talking about stop work authority and the term and the definition for a competent person. But that just has to be a huge motivation to your workers and just more importantly, just them feeling the, the commitment of having their back, because that's really the probably the foundation of, of any real good safety culture is just the folks that are actually out there doing the work and executing that task to know that they're getting recognized for doing the right thing, whether someone's watching them or not. It's creating that mindset and creating that safety behavior to just be second nature. And that's tremendous. Yeah, it's it's been a very productive program for us. And it's definitely helped our culture. And if nothing else, it at least sets the culture up to remain strong for years to come and in projects to come. We also have to put the same amount of effort into recognizing those who then speak up out of concern or, or in keeping their promise. And, you know, we've had several situations over the past several years where, you know, a, a truck arrives on site and whatever happened during transit, it's no longer safe to unload with the equipment or the tools we have on site. And so someone's had to raise their hand and just tell the driver that we're not unloading this truck. Um, and, you know, it, it has to go get reconfigured before we can safely do that on project. Um, we've had other situations around excavations where um, we respond to an emergency dig or an emergency of some sort with one of our customers, you know, and it's an emergency. So intensity is high. They want work done now. They want corrections made as soon as possible. And we've had to stop and just say, you know, we're still going to do our day one training. We're still going to, you know, make sure the excavation is right. And, and it's no, you know, fault of any customer or anybody's property, but in using that promise to also control a high adrenaline situation, we've found a really good success in taking that step back and making sure that we truly have in place what we need. We can't just assume, oh, they're good. We'll be fine. You know, it's an emergency. It's really, you know, you have to take a step back. And I made a promise and I'm not in the mood to break a promise today. We are going to do the new hire orientation site-specific training. We are going to wait for the trench box to arrive. We're going to, you know, whatever it may be, there's a reason we have that in place. And, and that is the culture. If you don't do that, you still have a culture. It's just not nearly the culture you want to be proud of. You know, as you're doing that, Nate, and you talk about those needs and those those matters that certainly at times may be challenging from a capacity standpoint of what can be carried out internally and possibly leveraged as a third party or externally. You know, what things do you try to look for to really make sure that those partners that you have established in any type of worker safety training are getting it done and, and across to the level of what your expectations are. We have a lot of pride in being self-sufficient. And so we have a pretty robust staff of health and safety professionals that can provide the training we need. And if they can't, you know, we make it a point to get our team members 
to the right courses to become credentialed for for future trainings. Um, but then, you know, the other side of that is we just can't be everywhere all the time. I mean, you can have 100 people on your team, but if you have 101 locations, you're still, a, you know, one person short, right? So we rely on United Rentals and we rely on, you know, the different networks of, of service providers and vendors that we know are, are in the area. We have relationships with all those regional offices and all those area contacts. And there's been more than one time where we need this like this afternoon, maybe, or, you know, tomorrow would be great too. Can you help us out? And more times than not, that's able to be done. Uh, but it, be, it becomes back to that relationship that we've built over the years. And, and just to know that we kind of have each other's back. We know if we really need something, you're going to provide it. And, and the other way around too, you know, you guys, and when I say you guys, I mean United Rentals in the trench division, they call myself probably just as much as I call them to ask me a question like, hey, I see I see equipment being staged. You must be starting work here. Who's the point of contact? And start establishing those relationships before we're in a bind or before we're trying to you know, seek out some equipment short notice. That's been really helpful. And just getting the right people involved early helps those relationships naturally develop. And so a prime example of that is, is when we get some of these busier metropolitan areas where there is just utilities in the ground everywhere. We know we need a box and we know where the hole needs to be dug. But once you open it up, there's 10 other things already running through the hole. How do you get a box in there? And so it almost, the relationship is built then kind of naturally is we're going to call United Rentals and have them come out to site to take a look at it because we're sure you have a product, but we don't know which one it is. And then when you figure out which product it is, you can also assemble it and help us install it. And everyone who delivers your products and installs your products usually is capable of providing an on-site training of 30 to 40 minutes as well in, in use, maintenance, and, and purpose of the tool. And so we kind of take care of three or four things right there by just being proactive in our, our approach to a complicated task. And so it, it's kind of nice how that all lines up. doesn't always work that way, but it definitely works 90-some percent of the time, which is what we're after. You know, you bring up a good point because, again, a competent person is someone that has to be, you know, qualified. And, and we need to make sure, obviously, from an employer standpoint, at your perspective, that is this person capable and do they have the experience that they need to lead and be entrusted to have a safe work day with the crew they're, they're working on? We hope that folks realize that when it comes to new equipment or things that they may have taken to a job that perhaps are not as comfortable or used to working with, to leverage that resource, to, to take that opportunity where we could spend, you know, 30 minutes before beginning the job to reviewing the tabulated data. Just I feel like there's times perhaps, especially in our industry, where maybe that's approached with a, you know, we'll figure it out kind of an attitude or we've done this before. And, you know, that's really not the right approach. And I think uh, it's it's refreshing to hear you say, I mean, obviously you guys have been doing this for a long time, but to recognize that, you know, where there's opportunities, especially when it's maybe a 911 and it's a real emergency type excavation or dig that, you know, we take the time, lean on resources where you have, whether internally or externally, to just make sure it gets carried out and we make it to the finish line safely. Yeah, the, the tabulated data is such an interesting tool to have. Is it? It's simple in nature. It's a piece of paper. It tells you exactly how and where you can use the product. But there's nothing really simple about interpreting tabulated data. You have to be definitely experienced with the box, the tabulated data, the soil you're in, you know, the other environmental impacts that 
could expose the, the the pressure, let's say, to the excavation or whatever it may be. And then you add weather and seasons on top of that, you know, and it, it turns into almost like a full time engineering game, I guess you would call it. And so it's it's something you can train anybody how to read a piece of paper, but it's the application part that they really try to get the comfort level with. And because you're right, you can use it the same box in the same manner 15 times on the same project. And you end up with, you know, four or five different scenarios of how you can actually install and use that box. Once your team members start to realize that, they start to ask for resources and ask for guidance farther and farther in advance. And I think that's really where you find the efficiencies. It's probably not a whole retrain, but it's definitely a, here's what we need for this location and here's what's different from what we've been doing. Nate, you know, I want to go back to what you said just about, you know, the partnership and, you know, the relationship to where it almost becomes something where maybe you reach out to certain support of what can be done and, and perhaps us likewise reaching out to you guys. I just I just want to thank you for the uh, certainly this time to talk about this topic that I feel is really important when you talk about developing a safety culture. We we certainly hope that when we provide that classroom or on the job site, it's relative to keeping workers safe. And and it is truly that personal responsibility to safety that you hit on earlier. And it can be a challenge. You know, we some some days aren't the best days and we want to get through it and we get in a grind. And I think it's important that we take that pause to get that kind of a respectable concern about what hazards we face. Because if we lose sight of what can happen, I think we get a little too uh, ahead of ourselves. And, and again, that's just a constant need uh, so that's where we try to certainly hopefully provide that. And we just, uh, I can't thank you enough for your time. I've learned a lot just listening to what you and your approach to, and that's that's what we try to do. You know, we try to learn as much from what those that we're trying to support and serve in the field. And uh, hopefully likewise, though, you, you get the, you know, value of what we can help support when you're looking at, you know, the lives of those workers doing the work for Michaels and, and the great work that they do out there in the field. For sure. Um, and, and and I agree as well. Safety is, you know, first and foremost, it's a core value of Michael's. I'm sure it's a core value of, of United Rentals and, and many other companies as well. But, you know, writing a core value down is is pretty easy. It's it's the culture that follows it and, and kind of the, the example that is led by where you really get your core values. And so safety definitely is is first and foremost. And a lot of that has to do with relationships, whether it's with our vendors, whether it's with, you know, you specifically and United Rentals, or it's with the next contractor we're just having to work next to for a few months. Um, it comes down to relationships and, and being able to plan your work and make sure that your culture is intact and that it's a culture that you're proud of. We, we take a lot of pride in our safety culture. We put a ton of effort, a lot of resources into making sure that we have a safe work environment, not just sometimes, not just when it's, you know, a highlighted project or when it's a complicated task, but but each and every day there's expectations that are just part of our culture. And that is safety being one of them and not not cutting corners. And, you know, there's always support to do things the right way. And so that's obviously and often made much easier when you have the resources needed. That might be the United Rentals rep on speed dial. That's probably the resource that we need, and and it is the resource we need often. Um, and then the other resource is the internal HSE team that we have here at, at Michaels, and 
and being able to reach out to get that training or that knowledge or those tools and the forms and the, you know, just everything you need to, to set your day up correctly. You know, they have that resource as well. So I appreciate the partnership. Um, I definitely appreciate sessions like this where we get to further a relationship and, and definitely discuss things that are, are so important and so pertinent to the industry. It's not just Michael's that digs excavation work is incredibly popular for all work types. It doesn't matter if you're a concrete crew or a telecom crew, like you're likely digging and moving dirt. And when you do that, you need to do it safely. And so um, this is a very, very important topic and I'm glad I was able to be a part of it. So this has been Behind the Standards with United Rentals. Should you have any questions about this topic or have suggestions about other topics you'd like discussed, feel free to send us an email to yourtspodcast at ur.com. For more information about training or other job site resources, go to trenchsafetyevents.com. Nate, I want to thank you and Michael's Pipeline for joining us today and bringing your knowledge and experience to this extremely important topic. And on behalf of Joe and myself, thank you all for listening. Have a great day and stay safe.